Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Listen to the Inside Curling podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oh yeah? You didn't think it was curling season, eh? Welcome everyone to Inside Curling. Another episode with me, Jungle Jim Jerome, and the one and only Kevin Martin. No one's like Warren Kevin. We've come to realize that. The one and only Warren Hansen, our, Warren Hansen, our two world curling Hall of Famers. Uh, we're back to do another show, and it's not our last. You can join us on the ride for a few more weeks. We couldn't do this without all of our sponsors, and we'd like to recognize them. Sports Interaction, who brings you what is happening around the curling world. Nestle Boost is the sponsor of Mailbag. County Tractor uh, brings you Hot Rock Topics. Goldline. Brings you in the house, which is our guest spot. We're loaded up today with guest spots. And Hearing Life, who sponsors What Are You Hearing? On the show today, uh, in the house, Bob Popple, manager of the Thistle Curling Club, is going to join us. Uh, there's always a bunch of interest on how curling clubs are getting along and getting by and some closing, some good news, some bad news. So uh, we'll get an update on all that from Bob and his curling club. We'll look at a couple of emails. Again, Kevin. One is just for Jim. <laughs> They're only human out there, Kev. We'll look at that. And the other one wants to make some comments about what curling commentators say about the shots. I liked it. I read that email. It's pretty good. What's happening around the curling world? Since the end of the curling season, things are pretty quiet. But an announcement just came out that the WCF is uh, regarding the Pan Continental Championship. Uh, Warren will bring us up to speed on that. Mixed doubles. Hot Rock Topics has been an Olympic sport since 2018. Still, there's no sign of a Canadian or world junior mixed doubles. What's going on there? Maybe they don't listen to our show, Warren. They should. What are you hearing? We've been really pleased Hearing Life joined us this year as a sponsor, and they are the title sponsor of one of the Grand Slams, and we're going to be joined by Jill Price from Hearing Life. I'm afraid, actually, the questions I have for her, I might, I might be afraid of her answers, but we'll see. We'll see. Hey, what's that you say, Jim? What's that you say? stop okay enough of the hearing jokes anyway i think i have a hearing issue we know you definitely have issues (laughs) (laughs) uh, we should bring a psychiatrist on for big jim once in a while that's what we should do uh anyway in the house brought to you by Goldline. Goldline curling equipment can be found in pro shops and curling stores all around the world. Plus, there are retail stores in Calgary, London, Scarborough, Mississauga, and they got two stores in Ottawa. Goldline can be found at every Grand Slam of curling event and online anytime at goldlinecurling.com. We're pleased to be joined right now from the Thistle Curling Club in Edmonton. Bob Popple joins us. Hey, Bobby, how are you, man? Good, and yourselves? Uh, very good, thanks. Very good. What are you up to today? What's going on? Well, I had to mow the lawn at the curling club. 
Uh, oh, yeah. And I am just finishing up our casino report. This this time around, we're back down to 18 months, which is interesting because it had been at uh, prior to COVID, it had been at 24 months. But now I think that some, maybe some uh, non-for-profits and uh, charities kind of closed their doors or something. So now ours is a little quicker again, which is kind of nice. Give us a wrap about the Thistle Curling Club because uh, everyone kind of lives vicariously through managers of clubs uh, when they think about their own clubs. And uh, it's not all been great news for curling clubs over the last year or two, maybe longer. What say you about all that, Bob? I don't know what we did here. We just changed the way we did things. and But our last, well, of course, the year before was COVID, which wasn't a great year. But this year, we've increased our membership by about 250 members, which was a huge wow. increase for wow. us. Um, How come? Well, we did end up getting a league, uh, a senior league from one of the other curling clubs came over. They just were looking for a new place, and they ended up uh, signing a three-year contract with us. Man, I don't know. You know, our men's league filled up. Normally, we have eight sheets, so we're 16 uh, teams. But I ended up going, no, I'm going to take as many teams as I can, and I'll put in buys, and I'll figure it out. So we ended up with 22 teams this year in men's. Our other leagues were pretty full. The only league that we had issues with was our Friday Night Fun League, which is normally very, very busy. This year... And the year before is very quiet. We had 10 teams this year. But I did talk to some of the people who were in it previously that hadn't come back. And some of the younger people still had, weren't comfortable with COVID. And and they just kind of felt that they were going to give it another year. And then they would be back this year, which is, I, you know, you always go, yeah, right, you're not coming back. But I can't say that because I've already got registration from teams that have been here that are registering right. back again. So, Bob, what is the secret to having a successful curling club? That's a loaded question. Having a great atmosphere and a friendly atmosphere and welcoming anybody, everybody and anybody, doesn't matter who you are, um, you're welcome at the Thistle. Even Even if you want to come and have some food and and uh, go upstairs and have a couple drinks, watch a hockey game. We are open to everybody. And the more people we get through the door, I've always said the more people get you get through the door, the better chance you have of maybe hooking them to say, try curling. We have a great adult learn to curl program that we had 50, 50 brand uh-huh. new curlers this year that took an eight, eight week program. And then what we did is we, New Year's, we did another, uh, took them all and put them into a instructional rookie league that they all enjoyed. And That's very interesting that when you're asked that question that you say having a good atmosphere, I was going to guess that it would be, well, you got to have low cost, you got to have good ice, you need a restaurant, food and beverage facility, you need to have great management, you need someone working the mark, uh, the digital marketing on and on and on uh, but you but you you still stick to that that it's about atmosphere we do a lot of social media we try to get as much out there as possible which i mean i'm 60 
one years old. I'm I know nothing about social media, but I have a girl who, right. <laughs> um, in fact, she's my niece who does all our social media, and she knows how to do it. And the stuff that I used to send out looked like, you know, looked like I didn't know what I was doing, but the stuff that they know how to do is unbelievable. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Bob. I just got a new ribbon for my typewriter, so don't worry about uh, yeah that you think you're behind the eight ball. Okay, well, thanks for joining us, Bob. The thing I'd like to ask you first, before we get into a couple other things, always been an issue with curling clubs. So if I walked into the door of the Thistle Club tomorrow and said, I've never curled before, but I want to curl, what would you do? We'd get you out on the ice right there and then if you wanted to go. So you, you would deal with people who aren't on a team and you've got a way of approaching that. Yeah. I have lots of people who call in as a single or a beginner curler, want to curl in a league and we'll get them. We'll get them on a team. We have lots of members who are, who are willing to help build the club and not, you know, that old, well, I don't want him on my team because he doesn't know how to throw a rock. Well, everybody started somewhere. That's what I always say. So. So the other thing I want to talk to you about is juniors, juniors and Gen Zers, and uh, what's the situation in your club like with uh, juniors and with uh, people in their early twenties? Do you have many? Uh, how do you bring them into the club? So our junior program is quite full. We just advertise and get them in. We don't have a really, really high competitive junior program. Ours is more of a we start with little rocks and then we move them into juniors and it's more of a casual social curling junior program. We have five or six instructors uh, that are on the ice with them all the time. If somebody really wants to get competitive and they're getting there, we, we want to keep them of course, but there's other clubs in the city that do that kind of program. So we kind of say, Hey, you know, this club does it. You might want to look there or whatever. So, uh, the gen, Zen, you know, I don't know if, what, if we do anything special for them. We have a great selection of beer. We have 12 <laughs> beers on tap. We, so they love it. Yeah. This club has always had, we call it a leaving problem. So there's people here that you literally have to say, can you guys please go home? It's like three in the morning. We'd like to go home. <laughs> Uh, I wonder who that would be out of the crew here on this show. Yeah, I want to shift into the building end of things. It's probably not an issue for you, but you're probably hearing a lot about it. Uh, we were talking to, uh, I believe it was uh, Bruce Mowat a few weeks ago, and he indicated to us that in Scotland, about half of their clubs are threatening to not be able to open their doors next year because of the cost of hydro. What's that situation like with curling clubs in in Alberta, in Canada, is this a growing problem and what's being done to try and deal with it? Well, I'm the one who, uh, I think sent you an email one time and told you our utility costs are $80,000 and yeah, they're high. I mean, I think I talked to Kevin about it. We start, so I have a friend who works for EBCOR and he said to me, don't start your plants up on a Monday morning because that's the highest demand rate that there is he says start them up Sunday afternoon so we did that the last two years and we've been averaging about a thousand dollars savings each month in electricity so just, just because of the day you started your plant 
just because of the demand rate. The, the, the one thing I do have an issue with is I worked for a big oil industrial place and they pay their utilities on a demand rate. The only difference is they come in and reset the demand rate every month, but they don't for curling clubs. So I don't know why. So is there any attempt being made by Curling Alberta or curling club managers organizing yourselves to, to lobby government to begin to deal with this? Because a curling facility is just like a skating rink or a baseball diamond. It's public. And they're not paying those kind of hydro costs. And, and there needs to be something done in the way of lobbying government to deal with this. Anything happening in that way in Alberta? No. I wanted, I've been trying to get something going with all the curling clubs, but uh, it's just like uh, pulling teeth. <laughs> and we've talked to, we've had a meeting with the city of Edmonton and said, like, we know skating rink or whatever is getting a break on utilities. And they keep insisting. No, they're not. They get no break on utilities, but I know for a fact they do, right? And I think his Epicor used to be owned by City of Edmonton. I don't know if there's still something in there, but there should be Epicor and Nmax and all these different places should have a something for non-for-profits or curling clubs or whatever. Yeah, the, the other one we're hearing, and there's a couple of clubs here in BC that are facing some problems with ice plants and uh, building roofs and things of that nature and have pretty much made it known if they aren't able to raise probably $75,000 by late summer, they're going to have to close their doors. Is there any concern again in Alberta with regard to creating funds where curling clubs can draw on if they have costs coming up like this that they can't cover? Or how, do, how do you look at that whole situation with regard to maintaining your facility? Well, my comment was has always been that if the city of Calgary or Edmonton or whatever city it was had a club that or a ice arena that was this old, they would have torn it, tore it down and rebuilt a new one. But they just continue to let us like this building is 1952. So it's an old building and we have to do all the repairs on it. We're lucky. I talked to one of a, a guy who's been in the, worked for Simgo for many years and other companies. And he said, our compressors says, just keep them maintained and running. The old ones just seem to truck along as long as you're taking care of them. But we have some roofing issues coming up. You're looking at a hundred thousand dollars. So you apply for a grant and hopefully you get it and raise money. We're raising money to uh, put an elevator in hopefully in the next year or two. So there's, there's no attempt by Curling Alberta to bring clubs together and start to talk about these things and develop a plan on how you're going to deal with them. It's not a general discussion or. They tried to get a deal together for, can't remember the name of the company, but it was a, a like an NMAX who doesn't like they, they supply you the power and give you a better rate. But we were getting a better rate than what Curling Alberta negotiated. So I'm not moving. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I, I think you guys need to get together and start putting some pressure on civic and provincial governments, and not just Alberta. I mean, right across the board. Anyway, Kevin. Well, hey, Bob. Thanks a lot for doing this. Appreciate it. Um, I, I'd love you to talk about the uh, membership versus event uh, scenario at a club. Well, you guys, with the number of sheets you got, well, I guess what do you consider to be a healthy amount of members per sheet? I'd love to ask that. First, 
What do you think is a good number? Around 100. 100 per sheet. Okay, so yeah. eight sheet club, 800, 800 members. So where are you at with members about? We're just over 700. So just about 100 per sheet, not quite. Yeah, okay. we're getting there. But then um, how important is the membership? But then there's also events, corporate events for a, for the health of a club. We do a lots of corporate events. I have no leagues on a Saturday because I can fill it with a corporate and make more money. So, okay. Well, this is a great discussion. So yeah, your Saturday Sundays are kind of wide open. Your Friday night probably gets bumped a fair amount for. And not, for, not for a corporate. They usually want a Saturday and that's it. Okay. They one day kind of. A, yeah. So you don't book. What's a corporate? Sorry. What's a corporate? Give me. So a, there's a, like uh, companies that'll call you and say, Hey, we want to do a team building. We have X amount of uh, people. What can you do for us? So it's. So we rent them the facility. We uh, have the concession or the arcader does food for them, and we open the lounge. And generally, we bring out a couple people to just give a quick teaching of how to curl. It's easy because it's generally it's a couple credit cards. Somebody <laughs> pays you for the somebody <laughs> pays you for the club. And generally, somebody puts a credit card up upstairs for the drinks, and that's it. Right. And then the, yeah, no, the, uh, okay, so that's perfect with the membership and the corporate uh, stuff, because that takes away from your possible members. Like, if you've got a one, out of seven days, one of your days, you don't, you don't try to get one member for it, no. then obviously you're not, it's going to be tough for you to get 800 members, because they're going to plug them into six days. It's kind of. Well, we're getting full right now. It's like we're looking, right now we're sitting down. We did a, a planning meeting the other, about a week ago and we were looking at what times we have left and there's not much left anymore. Right. And how's it going with your plan? You, you and I've uh, obviously you and I have been friends for many, many, many years, but we talking about, so in old curling clubs, everybody knows this. We'll tell the backstory here. <laughs> It used to be that the ice makers would live in the curling club. And so a lot of the upstairs at curling clubs are about half the size of, of the bottom of the club. And you wonder, well, why is the bar so small? Well, because the other half of the bar would be living quarters. So it'd be the kitchen and living room and bedroom for the ice maker. Well, the thistle had that. And you still got the, the guess the, if you want to just say the, the outside of that or the carcass or whatever you want to say, to the old housing. But you're thinking of ripping all that out, Bob, and putting in a couple of uh, golf simulators. That's still the plan. I think that's a wonderful plan because we talk about revenue streams, you and I, a lot of, of not just membership money and not just corporate money, but what, where else can you bring a revenue stream in? Yeah, well, we do. Like, I wish this club had a cement base because I could be have it very busy. Unfortunately, we have a sand base, so I can't do anything with the arena area in the summertime. Uh, we've been pushing to have rentals upstairs in the lounge. But of course, part of that is I've, I've had lots of calls about weddings, but when you don't have an elevator, it's pretty tough to have a wedding upstairs. Cause so hopefully in the next year or two, we'll have the elevator in place. Uh, the other thing I've been talking with is, uh, a place in uh, Northeast Edmonton, the farmer's market. So I'm talking with them to look hopefully next year to move into our parking lot and use our parking lot for their farmer's market. Because we're in a, as you know, Kevin, we're in a residential area. I mean, we have highlands across the road here. 
it would be a good thing here. And right now they have it in a Walmart, old Walmart parking lot that has been closed for a number of years, but somebody bought that parking lot and building and gave them one more year to have their farmer's market. So we're looking at doing that next year. Try to do as much as I can, even though I'd rather be golfing. <laughs> well, you golf every day, just about. So. <laughs> no. Only one, Bob, yeah, only once a day. Bob, is that it? Is that all you're doing? One quick thistle story, and then I'll put it back to Jim here. Um, so Carrick came over and practiced at your club a few times last year. So yeah. on his way home, he phones me. He says, Dad, have you, do you hang out with the thistle? I said, well, I go and have coffee with Bobby once in a while, but why? Well, I just went there to curl. There was nobody curling. The ice, nobody was on the ice at all. Carrick goes upstairs. The bar's packed, packed with people. Every, and he says that they're not, they're not just having one or two. These, these, the whole bar is entrenched, like, like, like they're watching sports. And they're, so you're talking about atmosphere. Carrick had to phone me. He says, Dad, like, what, what, what's, what's going on at the vessel? Like, there's no curling, but yet the place is packed and everybody's having fun upstairs drinking. So you're right with the, the atmosphere. Like you, there's that club in the States that you talk about all Chaska. the time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you just try to get there. Uh, we're looking at actually putting a deck off of our lounge uh, when we do our renovations so we can kind of have it as a neighborhood pub because there's nothing close around here. You're, you're pretty lucky, too, with the, your food service, though, Bob. Like We have a great caterer. The food's amazing. Uh, he's busy all the time. Right now, he's doing uh, high teas every week, and he sells out 100 people every time, so... Bob, I'll tell you what, you know, I was going to say, I, I asked you at the top of the interview about what's the key to being successful, and you said it's absolutely atmosphere, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I was maybe going to ask, you know, what separates you from other clubs in the city, but uh, in this short interview, you've mentioned we're going to try golf simulators, we're going to, we, you know, wish we, if we had a concrete slab, we could host events, uh, we're going to do a farmer's market, uh, on and on and on, so... I think we get a sense that if you want to have a successful club, you want you want you doing it, uh, Bob. And and you're it, it sounds like you're just always looking to move forward, always looking to look at different things. Yeah, if you're looking back, you're going to die. You got to look forward. I said you got, make mistakes. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least you try. Don't sit there and say, oh, well, maybe this would have worked, and then you didn't try. You got to try. A man after my own heart, make yeah. mistakes. <laughs> yep, I've, I've, uh, I <laughs> Bob Popple are, are is the manager of the Thistle Curling Club. Thanks a lot, Bob, for joining us. Are you open all summer now, Bob? What's what's happening? Uh, we're shut down right now. We have a golf tournament this Saturday, but I still have some events in up, upstairs. So, um, yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, we yeah. still have okay. a few events. I have to take Kevin out and play him for that check I owe him. So. <laughs> See if I can take some money off. <laughs> I'll take. Oh, Kevin. don't take Kevin to golf. <laughs> no. no, Bob's a good golfer. <laughs> oh, oh, it's at golf. Oh, okay, it's at golf. Okay, good. We used to do picks for the Grand Slam, so we're going to do picks for your golf, your golf thing. Warren and I pick you <laughs> over Kevin. Okay. Thanks a lot, Bob, for joining us. Uh, relax over the summer. Good luck and uh, and good luck uh, next year when you crank it up again. Talk to you, you later. You guys have a good afternoon. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob.
What are we hearing? Or what are you hearing? Brought to you by Hearing Life. If vision places the world in front of us, hearing places us at its center. Hearing Life invites you to love your ears. With a free hearing test, no referral needed, visit hearinglife.ca to book your free hearing test today. And we are very pleased. Uh, Hearing Life is a new sponsor of ours uh, that came on this year. And uh, we couldn't do it without them. And um, uh, we're so excited uh, that they've, they, they did more than one show, Kev. Okay, they listened to it and said, okay, well, we'll keep, we'll keep, that's always a little chancy, you know, Warren was sponsors with me, but they're in with us and we really appreciate it. And the director of audiology and client experiences at Hearing Life is Jill Price. How are you, Jill? I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, good, good. Thanks for joining us. Yes, thanks for having me. How many, uh, tell me this, Jill, how many hearing jokes are there? You poor people who are in the hearing, you know, how many, how many people say, Hey, Jill, thanks for coming on. Pardon? Couldn't, uh, there must be a million hearing jokes that you've heard. There is a lot, but you actually, that is the number one. That's the number one joke. What was that? Pardon, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah I, I'm last, with hearing life. Sorry? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Hearing life. Hearing what? Yep, get yeah. that one a lot. Yeah. Bring us up to speed on all the new stuff with, with hearing. Um, I'm, I'm certainly getting to the age where I better start to begin to pay attention. Uh, I'm 62 but I'm sure, uh, like everything over the last several years, has changed uh, dramatically. So bring us up to speed about Hearing Life. Yeah, I will. Well, we're uh, Canada's leading local healthcare provider. We have actually over 300 locations Canada-wide. So you will find us pretty much in every neck of the woods. Um, mm-hmm. We do offer free hearing tests. We're very passionate about hearing. We want Canadians to come in and get their hearing tested. It's Hearing is one of your five senses. It's very important. I would say the most important because it's how we connect, right? We're doing this podcast right now. And if we don't have our ears, how are we going to chat with each other? So really important way to connect with the people, your loved ones, your friends, your family, your hobbies, you know, lots of hobbies. You need good hearing to do that. So super important to be proactive and get it and get it checked. And and I think a lot of people don't even know how common hearing loss is. So I just want to bring you up to speed on just how common this is. I mean, if you have hearing loss right now, you are not alone. Uh, Hearing loss is extremely common. It's about, you know, at age 60, it's over half of Canadians. And when we go to sort of age 70 and up, we're looking at percentages of in the 90s. So to say hearing loss is inevitable That is a true story. We're all going to get there. We're all going to have hearing loss. So it's not something that you should be embarrassed about. It's part of, Mm -hmm. it's part of life. Um, You know, your ears will, you know, it's wear and tear over a course of a lifetime. And so don't be embarrassed about it. And, um, you know, just knowing what's going on with your ears is really important. So we're always encouraging people to love your ears and how you do that. You go get your hearing checked. You take care of them. Right. Right. Um, I, I probably know the answer to this, Jill. But you know, if you get a if you get a sore tooth, for example, you don't want to mess around with it. If you if you keep waiting longer and longer and longer, it's only going to get worse. And every dentist always says you should have come in earlier. You should have come in earlier. Um, I'm at a stage right now where I I don't know if this makes sense, but the the volume is fine. But I find people. It, it sounds like they're mumbling a little bit. It sounds like I'm, the the words aren't clear. Is hearing something when when that happens, if you don't get it checked right away, it can only get worse with trying to 
fix it. So Jim, how you described what you're experiencing is the textbook explanation of age-related hearing loss. So um, that's exactly what happens. It's like I, you know, you said it exactly how I would have described it. It's not that you can't hear because hearing loss is not all or nothing. It's very gradual. It happens mm-hmm. over time. And what happens is you start to lose certain sounds, not all, and the sounds you lose make uh, conversation sound um, mumbly, like garbled, or that people sound like they're mumbling. That's exactly what happens. So it's not that you can't hear. It's just it's not as clear anymore. And you're thinking, Mm -hmm. why? Why does that not sound as clear to me? It's because your ear has lost the ability to to hear certain sounds, and that makes things very muffled. Um, That will get worse over time. So mm-hmm. it is a progressive uh, condition. It does worsen over time. And the longer you go, the harder you're making your brain work to fill in the gaps. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and the harder it is for the brain to sort of readapt and readjust once you start hearing sounds again by wearing hearing aids. So you're not doing yourself any favors by putting it off. You really do need to kind of get on this early it's, it's so much easier to adapt and adjust and you're going to help your brain and the, the brain has other things to do other than fill in the gaps. Um, it's kind of a, an overload on the brain. You know, you want to just let the hearing aid do the work and so that you can just sit back and enjoy life and do what you're doing and, and let the hearing aid, you know, essentially do, do the work for you and, and pick up those sounds that your ear isn't naturally hearing anymore. I just got a free appointment. That's yeah. good. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, my grandmother uh, lost her hearing when she did, and she was wearing hearing aids that looked like this headset yeah. uh, that I'm wearing right now. Back in the days, you know, they looked like earmuffs yeah. that, that they were wearing, and uh, so you weren't going to fool anyone that you had a, you had hearing aids. Yeah, I suspect it's not like that. Um, the, the, I've I've been told and seen people that say I have hearing aids, and I said, "Where?" Yes. <laughs> um, that's pretty cool that yeah, you can get them. They have, I mean, technology has come such a long way. It's a digital computer inside a mini case that is either inserted into right directly into your ear or behind your ear. And the technology, you know, what it can do is just, it, it is, it's, it's mind blowing really how fast this thing processes sound, what it can do now. It's Bluetooth compatible um, and it really has shrunk in size to the point that it's miniature now and they're very comfortable to wear. Your grandmother's hearing aid probably was big and bulky and probably not very comfortable to wear and probably didn't sound that great either. But, you know, in terms of digital sound processing and how miniaturized they can make these units, it really is a comfortable experience now. Um, Mm -hmm. You still have to get, like with anything, you'll have to get used to the sounds um, and getting used to wearing something on your ear or in your ear. But so much easier to do that now with the technology that's available. Cool. Before we get to the guy with hearing aids, yeah. uh, let's start Let's start with Kevin <laughs> yeah. first. You, so oh, you're oh, saying, Jill, that it, my wife actually isn't mumbling when she's talking to me. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's me. Oh, <laughs> I'm siding with your wife, Kevin. She's always, not mumbling. No. But thank no. you for coming on. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I do have actually a kind of almost, a, for me, a job-related uh, question for you. I was excited to ask you this. Mm-hmm. A lot of the commentators that uh, do various sports um, tend to put yes. their earpiece in only on one side. 
And actually, I had a guy, uh, Sarge Bruce Thompson. He he is a floor director, who got me. I, I wear actually one on each, and he says a good idea to he thinks to have rather than have just uh, all the sound coming in one side, rather to coming in stereo or on both sides. I'd love to know your your thoughts on that because a lot of the commentators have really bad hearing after a few years. No, I would agree. Where so the way you process the sound, you you actually use the input from both ears. So your brain is going to have a much easier time if you're giving sound on both sides equally. So I would always say if you can use two ears, use two ears. Um, it's a lot of work for one ear to, to have to process that sound. And you are straining the ear, right? After, if you work in this industry and you have an earpiece in your ear after you know so many years, that's a lot of strain on that just that one ear. So balance it out. We're meant to hear in stereo. That's why we have two ears. So you want to give the best um, sound quality and in terms of processing, that's ideal for, for the brain. So yeah, I would, I would agree with that recommendation. Well, I, I wanted to take that a hair further with, uh, with all on the one side all the time. And you mentioned the word brain. Yeah, mentally, I would think over, say, years and years, and say you're, you're, you're in the headphones for five, six, seven hours a day um, for, for all of your season, if it's baseball or curling or whatever sports you do, um, that would be hard. I think mentally, wouldn't it be a little bit, uh, cause some problems? No, absolutely. And, and then you're also having to deal with, you know, depending on that, that the sound coming in from each ear is different. So you're having to like sort of block out what the ear that doesn't have an earpiece in, you have to block that out. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the brain. So again, common knowledge, it may not be common knowledge that you actually don't even hear with your ears. Yes, your ears collect sound for you, but all of the processing happens in the brain. The ear doesn't do any of that. The ear just grabs the sound and, and it transcribes it into a language that the brain understands. That's really the whole purpose of the two ears on our, like, you know, that stick out. What are they for? They're sound collectors. That's about it. If the brain does all of the hard work, and so that's why you want to, again, you want to make it easy for the brain to gather what it needs to do the processing it needs. Two ears is always better than one. And again, trying to be proactive, doing something early rather than waiting and putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. That's all that does is add more work to, for the brain to process sound. And that makes you tired at the end of the day, right? The energy um, you're just kind of exhausted from straining all day. Uh, and so, you know, I, I just really encourage people don't, don't put that extra work on you or your brain, you know, try to utilize what you have. Two errors is always better than how'd, one. How'd you get so smart, Jill? <laughs> Warren in a second here. Um, I, I wanted to bring up one thing, I guess, and uh, just a question when you have trouble hearing uh, day after day, it's going to be very frustrating. I actually don't hear too bad so far, but um, if a person were like that, wouldn't it be kind of hard on, on your brain, on your mental health? Like if you're every single day, you're frustrated and I, I would have to think it, it would. Absolutely. So I know I don't want to be the, you know, the downer <laughs> in this conversation, but there are some negative health effects for um, hearing loss, especially untreated hearing loss, which is you're living with hearing loss, but you're not doing anything about it. Um, and some of the simpler, easier ones to, to talk about are, you know, social isolation and depression. You're twice as likely to develop social isolation and depression um, and anxiety with untreated hearing loss. That makes sense to me, right? You sort of socially withdraw. 
Um, and that becomes very isolating. You can, you know, increase your anxiety because you're struggling and then that can lead to a depression. So we have those issues going on, but then we also have some more serious health effects with cognitive decline and dementia. So hearing untreated hearing loss puts you at a higher risk of cognitive decline and dementia. And although we don't know the exact reason why there's a, this relationship, we can hypothesize it's because of the extra work on the brain. So again, as I've been talking about, the brain has to fill in the gaps. And so that's a lot of extra work on your brain. And that is, that's pulling away resources that you need for other activities like memory, memory recall, and, you know, understanding speech and just doing your daily everyday tasks. So it's putting it a higher risk because it, again, you're, you're using cognitive resources that weren't meant for hearing. So that's why you got to be, you really, it's not about just, I don't hear as well as I used to, or I'm not picking up that sound. It's about overall quality of life. It does affect our everyday lives and it's about brain health, right? It's your overall health. Um, and so it's a really important topic. And I hope that the listeners will, will, um, you know, just take that first step, which is just to go get your hearing check. Just find out what, what's going on with your ears. That's like step one. What an education <laughs> we're getting here. Uh, Warren? Well, thanks, Jill, for joining us. And uh, yes, I'm uh, one of those people who decided about three years ago that I should maybe have my hearing checked. I didn't notice any problems and, and did find out through that exam that uh, I was losing about 15% of my top tone. So uh, I do have hearing aids. My biggest problem is remembering to use them because uh, yeah. I can hear pretty well without them. But uh, I'm... Uh, you need a memory I'm, aid. I'm easing into aid. it. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about hearing life and curling for a minute. Sure. Let's do that. You're a title sponsor of a Grand Slam event. You're one of the sponsors on our show. You're pretty deep into curling. What was the decision at Hearing Life that decided that uh, curling was a good place to go? Yeah, well, I mean, curling is such a beloved sport in Canada, right? There's so many people that love to watch it, love to play it. And, and what I remember, you know, if I was at a, you know, a rink, um, is that curlers are social curl. It's, it's a social event. It's not just about the curling. It's about getting together and they like to have fun and there's lots of conversation and activity and it's a, it's a really lively group. And, and so that made us think, well, you know, curlers and hearing you need, you're going to need your hearing. And they're an engaged, active group of individuals who are enjoying life and are like, want to get out there and still be active. And so we just thought it was a really good partnership. It's a good demographic. And we know how important hearing is to these individuals because they are living life and they are being social and, and that's important to them. So that's why we thought it was a really great partnership. Um, and, you know, again, just, just supporting an activity that we know that Canadians love to be a part of is, is something that we also want to, we want to be part of a, a sport that is, is very Canadian and, uh, and there's a lot of support behind the curling just in general. Yeah, and of course, it's a lifetime sport, which I guess uh, beds well for being in the hearing aid business. So at what age would you suggest someone should probably go and uh, have their hearing checked? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I used to say 60, and I will still say 60, because that is like, by age 60, you really should get your hearing checked. But, you know, Statistics Canada, the numbers are even where we see pretty high rates of hearing loss are actually even younger. So 50 you know, 50 would, would be a good age to start thinking about it by age 60, 
definitely have that first, you know, baseline check if you've never had your hearing tested as an adult. Never too early, never too late to have your hearing checked. Um, you know, there's there's always something we can do to help if we do find hearing loss. I just want to say again, don't be embarrassed. It's not. It's so many of us out there are struggling to hear. You're not going to have the hearing of of what you had when you were 20, and that is nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, you know, just go in and get it checked, and and then you can kind of figure out what your plan is going to be for for your future. If I like. I can hear fine at home when there's not much going on, but when I go out for dinner with people, I have a difficult thing. Is is there something that you would, uh, like reading glasses, okay, you're going to slip them on when you got to drive, but you don't need them all the time. Does, do, do hearing aids fall into that category where I might need them under different circumstances, but not all circumstances? Yeah, I think for people, so Jim, you're just, like, you're just the class classic textbook case of, of, the the sign the first signs of hearing loss so you probably okay. have you have some hearing loss you have um, like Warren said uh, high tones so the high pitched sounds are what what you're probably not hearing as well and that's why when you go into these group situations in these you know uh, restaurants mm-hmm. or dinners it's harder to hear groups um, so a lot of people do start out wearing their hearing aids periodically. Right. Mm-hmm. So you you would oh, okay. wear them when you go out to dinner, wear them when you're going to go shopping, go into the grocery store. Anytime that you're kind of not in a quiet environment, right. you would you would wear them um, because, yes, if you're in quiet, you probably do pretty good. Um, so, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being sort of like wear them when you think you need them. Um, of course, as an audiologist, I would say your brain gets easy, gets um, used to them a lot faster if you just wear them all the time as with anything. Right. So that would still be my recommendation as they go on in the morning, they come off at night, but um, yeah, that there's nothing wrong with uh, putting those hearing aids on when you need them the most. Yep. That's a good start. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm off to my free uh, hearing test uh, with hearing life. No, I'm not sure how I feel. We finished the interview and Jill kept going back to me going, Jimmy, you've got hearing problems, my friend. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I've been in radio and the entertainment biz. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, so I've been on microphones and yelling and screaming and, and I've done broadcasting and podcasts for a long time. So um, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm anxious and I'm so glad we got to talk to you because uh, I'll go in and get it done. I promise, Jim, it's, it, it's painless. <laughs> Don't worry. It's going to take like an hour of your time and it's easy, painless. Just go get your hearing checked. You'll thank me. How do we do it again? Where do we sign up? What do we do? Yes. So you can come into any Hearing Life Canada. There's lots of ways to get a hold of us. You can go to hearinglife.ca. You can uh, give us a call. You can book online. Again, it's about a one-hour appointment free of charge, and you'll get the results immediately afterwards. So you'll know right there what the results of your hearing test are, and uh, that it's, it's a very simple, easy test. Jill Price, thanks very much. Uh, All the curling fans who've been around for more than 25 years probably have hearing problems from listening to (laughs) Russ Howard. Remember remember I yelled at that guy? Russ, you're way too loud out here, man. (laughs) Jill, thanks a lot for coming on. It's great meeting. I feel like I met a new friend. This is fantastic. I'm going to get some help. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. And thanks for supporting the show and curling. See you later, Jill. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks, Jill. Time for mailbag. 
Uh, and I'm excited about this one again. It's brought to you by Nestle Boost. Complete nutrition to fuel your day. Last week, we marked the calendar, Kevin, because there was an uh, email about me. <laughs> and the sense of, if you missed the show, the sense of it started very nice, very complimentary. And the end was, uh, how is Jim hosting a show and he's never thrown a curling rock? <laughs> However, okay, uh, back today, uh, as I pull this up, um, Jim, so this is what I've been waiting for, an email with a special invitation for Jimmy Boy. I can't help Jim with an invitation to play golf in Palm Springs. We only know one guy who can do that. However, if he wants to come to Detroit, there are probably several, if not many people from the Detroit Curling Club who would go play and host him at one of the great courses in the area right here. Keep up the great work, team. That's from Eric. So uh, Warren gives me that one to say, you see, Jim, uh, no one wants you to have anything to do with curling. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting guys who are inviting me to squash, tennis, okay, golf. No one's inviting me to curl, okay? Bobby's going to invite me, though. I'm gonna, I should have done that eight-week curling thing. Here's another one from Janice. Interesting email about uh, the commentary. This would be you, Kevin, on television for curling. Uh, there are a lot of components in making a curling shot. When a shot is not made to perfection, why do commentators always say that the thrower was too light or too heavy or he missed the broom or sweepers were not on, etc.? They never say the skip. <laughs> May have given the wrong ice. These players are so good at weight and control and accuracy. Maybe these misses were not their fault. Are you hearing this, Kevin? I would like to hear why broom placement and missed shots is never discussed. That's from Janice. Way to go, Janice. You take on those skips, baby. You take on those skips. Okay, Martin, you're on. Yes, from a skips point of view, it is usually the sweeper's fault. <laughs> and of course, Warren, Warren being a sweeper forever, it's always the skips' fault. So I think it kind of depends uh, who you're looking at it from. From a commentating point of view, um, generally with our ice conditions, uh, you could put the broom... Say if you're just playing a, a bump around a center guard. If you took the ice just off the edge of the button and you threw board, the sweepers could hold it straight, carve it, make contact. Take edge of four, throw hack, they carve it all the way you could make the shot. You take three or four more inches yet, and you throw a little less and have somebody like Ben Hebert carve it at the end and make the shot. So I think the broom with the sweeping strength these days has become less and less important, if you can imagine, but... The control of the weight, I guess the weight has to match the broom, has to match the line call, has to match the straight sweeper carve. If that makes, hope that's not too confusing. But it, all those components need to, to fit together. So if, if by chance you threw a hack waiter with a foot of ice and the first move is Brett Gallant hitting it hard to keep it straight, it's missed. <laughs> because the, the, the sweepers are so strong now, they, they get it onto a different trajectory and there's no saving it. But if in that Ben Hebert's on the other side and just keeping it clean, keeping it clean, and then carve it at the end, all of a sudden, magically, that same, the same broom, same weight, same throw, shot's made. So sometimes you can, you can goof up on the ice early in a game when the, when the pebble's still crispy. But late in the game, 
The sweepers can adjust line so much now. It's quite remarkable, actually. The game has changed so much from when, say, uh, even the 20 years ago. It was more kind of a, a pure, and and uh, and I would, I would agree with the point, actually. The broom is was so important to be put in the right place because we didn't carve rocks yet. We didn't do that 20 years ago. But now it's become more of a weight, ver- a weight matching the call, matching the broom, rather than the broom being in the right spot for the shot, if that's not too technical. Janice, listen. Okay, listen, Kevin, here for one <laughs> second, my friend. Okay. Did you hear what I just heard, Warren? I heard a skip saying, it's not my fault. <laughs> it never is. <laughs> it never, it is. never is. That's what I heard. Okay. I heard a guy, I, I just heard a guy say, why did the skip uh, never take fault? Kevin says, I'll take that one because we're never <laughs> at fault. <laughs> uh, but skips so have been funny. consistent for Warren. many, many years on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting though, right? Because, you know, a golfer and a caddy, same deal, right? If they're the putt, it's going to break left or, or whatever. And if it breaks right, the caddy misread it or the golfer pushed it, you know, the putt. Curling, Kev, right? There's, there's 22 different ways to get that rock from here to that exact spot, right? right. Or, no, no. Or, there's lots you know, of different ten. ways, well, absolutely. I think as right. well, you'll see quite right. often today because these teams are so good, the, the, the skip will say to the player, is that the ice you want? Uh, because they know how they're throwing it. They know that sheet pretty well. And uh, many times, particularly the thirds, are calling the ice for their own shots. Which, again, today, it's different from the days I played. I mean, the skip today hears that, can you give me a little more, a little less? We'll usually willingly do it. In my day, you wouldn't dare say that. You'd just take a little more, a little less. (laughs) (laughs) Self-broom. Love it. Exactly. (laughs) What a great, great email. Thanks, Janice. You got us really talking about all kinds of stuff here. Way to go, Janice. You can email us, uh, insidecurling at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, and maybe your email will get read on the show. What's Happening Around the Curling World is brought to you by Sports Interaction. You want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction. Get in on the action and make a play at Sports Interaction. You've got to be 19 years of age or older, and we want you to play responsibly. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the curling world is pretty quiet, but the WCF announced today that the 2023 Pan Continental Championship has been awarded to Kelowna. Not the first time they've had an event, but not to go in the arena, but the Kelowna Curling Club. What's up with that, Warren? Yes, uh, kind of surprised at this announcement. The fact that this event was held last year for the first time, but it was held in Canada, so naturally would have assumed it was going to go somewhere probably over in Asia next year. But I think there's been difficulties trying to find somebody to host it. And I think, interesting enough, it's going in the Kelowna Curling Club. It's not going to be played in an arena. So that's kind of a change uh, for that event. And, of course, the main purpose of this event is to qualify five teams for the men's and women's worlds. That's its purpose, uh, to kind of counter to the European Championship, which uh, pretty much determines, I think, the other seven. Interesting enough, last year, Gushu won the thing on the, on the men's side for Canada, but uh, Kerry Anderson, you may remember, did not win the gold medal for the women japan did so this isn't a slam dunk for canada but i'm kind of wondering how important is this to a canadian curler to to win the pan canadian championship i'm I'm not sure anyway it's going to have two divisions in it an a and a b for women and for men in the women's side in the a division will be australia canada japan kazakhstan korea and new zealand taiwan and usa I think the point, again, I think five teams will qualify. I can probably pretty much name four of them right now. 
On the men's side, it'll be Australia, Canada. Guyana is an interesting one here that's in this A division. Japan, Korea, New Zealand, Taiwan, and the USA. And I, I, I looked this morning, where exactly is Guyana? And it's right next to Venezuela in South America. So that's an interesting team that's going to be in that uh, A division. So you may remember last year in the Calgary Olympic Park Arena, it was there. Television in Canada was covered by TSN. No mention of TSN today, what they're doing with this. I find it hard to believe that they will cover that event with all the draws, with it being in a curling club. Um, I just don't think that that's probably going to happen, but we'll have to wait to see. Start. I'll, I'll start over here. Last year, it was held in the arena in Calgary in the Canada Olympic Park building. Uh, television coverage was by TSN. No mention of that today. I think it's going to be pretty hard for them to probably provide full coverage from within the curling club. They could end up doing the final games, but we'll have to see how that falls down. I look at this event again. Um, the World Federation, and I know the challenges they have with uh, the European end of things. The European Championship's been there for many years, and now this pan-continental one, primarily to qualify teams for World Championships. Ultimately, I believe the way this all should be done with its A, B, C, maybe even a D division with 10 teams in each division each year, two go up, two go down from A to B, B to C, back and forth. Uh, this is the way other world events do things. I know the challenges that WCF has with regard to getting the votes to make this type of thing happen, but this event seems to be kind of a non-event. I don't know uh, exactly how they're going to get around this moving forward, but it's kind of interesting, the fact that you're again taking up a weekend of time from these top players, that they can't play anything else. They're not making any money out of this. Uh, even running at the same week as the European Championship would help and help, help things, but I know, again, that's not possible because the WCF will be providing video television coverage from both these events, so they've got to be split. But uh, this is something I think moving forward um, is really going to be looked at harder in the fact that the real way to do this, you're doing it with the Pan Pacific, you're doing it with the Europeans where you've got A, B in, an, in a European C division, that this is the way to do things. At the world level, you're already doing it in the juniors. Why not the men's and the women's? What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, well, the Pan Continental, like I called the games last year, um, and I found it fairly interesting being that you're, you're really getting introduced to some countries that are, you've never even heard of in curling, which is, I think, really good. The B side uh, was in a different arena in Calgary. There were two arenas going, the A side and then the B side. We didn't do any television on the B side, but sometimes if the game I was doing ended early, I'd race over to watch the last couple, three ends of, oh, and I, I was looking through my book. I always keep a notebook as to all the games and I don't, I just didn't have it all written down as far as which nations were on the B side, but not traditional curling nations at all, but fun. My goodness, I enjoyed watching it. Um, so I guess to your point, Warren, getting buildings and Kelowna Curling Club, pretty nice choice though, as far as where to house it. You can have the A and the B in the same building because uh, Kelowna has so many sheets of curling. I think I have 12 sheets of ice in Kelowna, so quite easy to fit both events in there. Uh, it will be challenging for television, though, and but World Curling TV, will, I'm sure, will be there. Um, TSN, I, yeah, who knows? We'll have to wait and see on that one if uh, if they do or not. But anyway, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. To your point, though, of who's going to win or not, on both sides, Canada, U.S., Japan, and Korea qualified on in men's and women's fairly easily. Um, on the women's side, the round robin ended up seven and one for Canada, seven and one USA, six and two Japan, six and two Korea, and then four and four New Zealand was the next closest. 
on the men's side, same thing. You had Canada, USA, Korea, all at the top with six and one, seven and one records. And then sort of a, a mess between Japan and New Zealand, Australia, fighting for those last couple of spots. So I guess parity will come over time, but right now it's not really there. The top three, four teams are sort of quite a bit ahead of the rest um, right now. Good reason to go to Kelowna. There's always a good reason to go to Kelowna. <laughs> There's always a good reason to go yeah. to Kelowna. Uh, Jock will do. Jock yeah, will exactly. do a fantastic job. Kelowna Curling Club is a really well-run club. Jock will do a tremendous job. The cool thing about uh, having it at a club is you can get really close, man, to the action. You know, even from all the bars I sat at watching curling in curling clubs, it's way better than being up high at the arena. Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, UTVs, and ZTRs to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. Uh, another season is in the books. There's still no indication from either Curling Canada or the WCF regarding the start of a Canadian and a World Junior Mixed Doubles Championship. Uh, we thought that would have happened by now. I remember that. Uh, Kev, we talked about it before. Uh, anything that you know, any scoops uh, going forward, what's going to happen? Well, I, I think there's a need for... Now, a Canadian championship, maybe, maybe not. It, it, that's up to Curling Canada. But I do think there's a need um, with the strength of mixed doubles worldwide. When you know, we just did the, the world mixed doubles not long ago, and it's it's a it, complete, complete even field um, on, right. on, on in the mixed doubles world. So to bring that down to junior curling and make sure we have an, a world, a true world event. Now, maybe it's not just one team from each country. It, it doesn't mm. have to be old-fashioned world, but it could right. be, you know, if, if you're a top nation like Canada or, or Scotland or Sweden, USA, maybe they get to have two, three, four teams come into right. this event. And then other teams, Italy and um, all these, other, there's so many countries, Norway, so on, that have good sure. mixed doubles. Maybe they get one or two teams. And at the end of the day, it's 40 junior teams that meet somewhere in the world and, and battle it out for the mixed doubles junior worlds. How, how, how much fun would that be for these right. kids come in and battle it out? But looking ahead, by giving all these young teams this opportunity to play in a, in a world-level event, how much better they're going to be by the time they enter into the Worlds and Olympics at the adult level. Um, I just think it's really important for the growth of our sport that this this happened. And, and I, I, it's being thought of right now. It's just a matter of how, how to get organized, I guess, uh, and, and, and started. Take a poll, man. Who wants, who wants to come in? Who wants to do it? Every you kid know? would go, yeah, we're yeah, in. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that could be, that wouldn't have to be in an arena at all. It would be probably better in a curling club situation. Right. To have lots of sheets of ice, um, lots of teams, play lots of games, and just have a tremendous time. It would, it would be so much fun. Right. What do you say, Warren? Interesting concept. I've been sitting here thinking about all the different types of world championships we have in curling these days, and Canadian. There must be a dozen. And hearing about thinking about more, maybe this is the approach with a lot of them. Maybe you take this more with 70 countries now involved in the world. You try and stage a big open competition somewhere each year where... A lot of these championships, except maybe the men's, women's, uh, mixed doubles and, and juniors, uh, they're held in a different type of event where it's not a team from every country. It's open to whoever wants to send a team. I don't know. 
it's all getting very difficult. And I know the WCF and I know Curling Canada as well, they're both having difficulty finding sites to host these events because there's so many of them and they're not cheap things to take on unless it's uh, something that you're going to have a gate for. It's simply a, a black pit of money and uh, they're not making anything out of it. So people are reluctant to jump in. So it's another challenge, I think, that the curling world is facing. There are so many events uh, at the Canadian and World Championship level that you just can't find enough places, curling clubs usually, to host them year after year. So maybe that's the answer. Uh, so there we go. Uh, thanks a lot to Jill, uh, like I told you. Mm, looks like I'm off to a hearing test. <laughs> uh, Jill Price from Hearing Life, one of our new sponsors. And uh, before we go, before we wrap the show, Warren, uh, we're talking to Bob, uh, and I just thought of this, uh, and, and maybe get both your comments. So the, this thing about curling clubs and utilities has been a big issue for a long time. If they get, if they lobby the government, Warren, and they start to get a break, I see a problem with that, that your local tennis club is going to come forward, your badminton club, your, uh, um, you know, the like uh, whatever, your community baseball league, uh, your golf clubs, might come forward and say, we, you know, we want a break. Uh, I see, you know, the equestrian center. I see a problem if they get a break that all these other uh, sports and disciplines would come forward and say, well, then we should get a break. Well, a lot of them are already getting it. They're not paying for the baseball diamond. They're not paying the taxes on it. They're not paying the utilities on it. The hockey rink, for the most part, they aren't either. Uh, some of these other things you mentioned, they may be private clubs. Curling clubs, again, it's the term. They're really, they're not private clubs anymore. In Ontario, there's a lot of combined golf and curling clubs. Those are private facilities. Used to be a few in Western Canada, not many left. That's the only ones that would fall into that category. But most of them, in my opinion, they're public facilities, just like the skating rink and the baseball diamond, and need to be treated in a similar fashion. All right. Well, we're doing our part. Um, good answer, Warren. I thought I had something there. Thanks, Good answer. <laughs> Why don't you drop us an email, insidecurling at gmail.com, and we can talk about that. It's not going to go away, man, that topic. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to, uh, thanks to Jill, of course, and thanks to Bob from the Th- uh, Thistle Curling Club. I see they've got an eight-week program for beginners. Mm-hmm. Sign up. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we'd also like to uh, extend a big thank you to Rod Paulson he's been with us uh, ever since we started the show his company is in-house strategies and he does all our work on Facebook if you don't belong join it uh, weigh in there's lots of action on that a reminder again insidecurling at gmail.com a big thank you to Sports Interaction Coyote Boost Hearing Life and Goldline who make Inside Curling all possible uh, we got a couple more shows that we're going to do before the season ends. And on the last show of the season, we're going to get the opinions of some of the people who covered curling all year. Love it. Love it. That's our big wrap-up show. We used to do it, Warren, at the Briar. Uh, he was the great writer, your buddy. Uh, I, I loved him. I think he died a couple years ago, uh, who, who wrote for curling for so many years, Warren, who covered it. Larry Wood? Yeah, Larry. And he used to do a wrap-up at the Briar every year and uh, didn't always go so well. Kev, for the host of the Briar Patch. Didn't always go that well. No. Well, the host, but we got host a of the Briar Patch was his own worst enemy. That's why. <laughs> but we're going to do a wrap-up show. I love it. So, <laughs> uh, Give us your opinion on the show. Hey, look at Why don't you let us know what you think, and we'll take it all into consideration. Um, thanks a lot, everyone, for joining us, and uh, we appreciate you listening, and we'll be back again 
next week with another episode of Inside Curling to our World Curling Hall of Famers. <laughs> See you later, Kevin. Take it easy. Yeah. See you, Warren. Thanks, Jimmy. See you, Jim. <laughs>